Who's glad to be here in the church? Isn't it good to be together? Amen. It's good to be together. And God is with us, isn't he? God is so good. God is with us. And it's a crazy, crazy, crazy time still. And God is not absent. Who has testimonies in this season? Who has seen God move on your behalf in this season? I have seen more miracles this year from the Lord than I have seen in years. And amidst the chaos, amidst all the craziness. So we just, uh, we just need to get our eyes on him and focus on him. And I had resolved uh, all the way back in March, even though it was hard. And I put it in a, in a lot, if you had listened to the podcast, um, uh, I had put them into those messages the, the, my heart was that you're going to have to trust God. I've been saying it for years and years, and I know we know that as believers, that we have to trust God, right? And we can't live by sight. We need to live by faith. And suddenly it was, it was real life. You know, we're, gonna, we're walking in it. And, uh, and I just really encouraged you to, um, to put our eyes on him and to trust him, even though that doesn't make any sense right? God doesn't make sense to your human natural mind, and yet we believe in him, so why would we suddenly doubt him just because the world and our circumstances and what we call normal has changed? In fact, I was just meditating this morning. I was praying, and I was just, you know, uh, totally weird and random. I was just thinking how all the different areas of the world eat different foods, and uh, we are suddenly... um, uh, our little two acres in Fishkill is suddenly a zoo. We have every creature and animal you can imagine. And Dawn got to see a, a nice five-foot-long black snake slithering through our property right behind her, of course. And she loves snakes, so that was awesome. And <laughs> But, uh, you know, in other parts of the world, it's not strange for them to skin that snake or to eat a lizard. And here, that's not normal. Everybody say normal. Okay, it's not normal, but to another culture, it's normal, right? It's not normal for other cultures to eat processed, computer-figured-out, you know, food that they print out, right? I mean, it's just weird, printed food. And, uh, and, and they're eating, you know, what we think is weird that they, you know, killed an animal, and ate something they killed, right? But our food's printed, so we're civilized. And, and the point is that, you know, that our whole concept of normal needs to go away anyway. Because if you ask any culture around the world, billions upon, upon billions of people, right? Eight billion people. Um, so our whole concept of normal needs to just go away. In one of the concepts that I've been trying to break down for years, and I said, Lord, I don't know how to do it. I don't even fully understand it. I believe it, but I don't even, how to, I don't even fully understand it. But this concept that, that, um, that this life is it, and it's not it. Eternity is it, and this is a very temporary existence, right? James calls it a vapor, a wisp of air, a breath of air. You can't even see it. It's gone. It comes and it goes so quickly. 
You know, we're all experiencing that. You know, every day you're older and older and older, and you are experiencing a small piece of, of what God can see outside of time. It's at a slower pace, but nonetheless, look back. Just look at your children, you know, growing like this, or look at your own life. Look at your bodies <laughs> like this and like this, right? And just, you know, as things progress and change and just so quickly, right, so fast. And so our whole concept of normal and, and our, our, there's, a, there's literally, I mentioned it in one of the early podcasts months ago, that there's a literal scientific, psychological um, issue that we have as humans, and it's called normalcy bias. And it's basically just, just very brief that it's this concept that um, we form a world around us, and we think that the world around us will always be that way. And it's called normalcy bias. That's a very simple definition. Obviously, there's more, uh, uh, there's a more scientific definition to that. But so God has already been crushing that for years and years and years. He's been trying to crush that concept out of us for years, which is that church is not a building and it's not an accessory. Jesus is not an accessory to your life. Jesus is not something you add to make your life better. He's not an ingredient in your punch. It's not spiked punch. <laughs> you know, the punch was the punch, and now we had Jesus, so now it's spiked. No, you take the punch bowl and you dump it out, and all of Jesus goes in. But it's such a hard concept for our minds to get, and I think just the fact that, look, you know, I'm wearing this shirt, Dawn had ordered this for me as, as something funny when, like, when quarantine first started. And I totally forgot it was even in my closet. I just went in there to look for a shirt. I said, where'd this come from? She said, remember, I ordered that when quarantine first started. The church has left the building, my shirt says. But I had known that that was in the heart of God for years, and I didn't know how to get that concept into our hearts or to even understand what that means. But the church is not a building and your life is not going to work creating a savings account and beautifying, you know, our property and our homes and upgrading our cars and paying things off. Now, I'm not saying anything's, any of those things are wrong. Everything I just mentioned are human goals I have. But they're so small and so minuscule and so irrelevant in the scale of what it really means to be alive. You have to realize that Jesus came into this world to rescue us from death. Do you realize that without Christ, we are dead? We don't suddenly add Jesus and then now we're alive. No, the Bible really says to get on the cross with him and crucify that old man. And that's what I want to get into today um, we're trying to stay in this room at at, for a shorter period of time so that you can get the mass off and go outside. So I'm going to get right into his word, and I just want you to hold that thought right there. That's what the Lord is doing with us, trying to get the old out of us. And um, we can go right to the book of Genesis. You know, this story of Jesus started right in Genesis. Do you realize that? Jesus didn't start in Matthew. Jesus started before Genesis. Everybody say, Jesus started before Genesis. So, of course, Genesis is about Jesus, isn't it? 
Of course it is. If he was there, John tells us that Jesus was there before the world began, that everything was formed through him. So we go into Genesis. It's a story about Jesus. And Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, everybody say Abram. Right? We know this character, right? He becomes Abraham. He's one of the most famous patriarchs of our whole entire Bible, right? Father Abraham. Because God does something significant here. He says, Abram, I want you to leave. Everybody say, leave this world. You have to leave the world. Everybody say, leave the world. He says, I want you to leave your country, your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Jesus is right here in the book of Genesis, chapter 12. This is a story about what it means to be a Christian. You just have to look at it through the lens of Jesus. Look at it through the lens of being a believer, and suddenly this Old Testament story that's not just history, but there is a picture in this story. Everybody say there's a picture in the story. He said, and... I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, or you may know it as, I will make your name great. Everybody say, you can pull that up in the New King James in uh, verse 2. says, I will make your name great. He says, I want you to leave your land and leave your name. And then he says in verse 2, I will make your name great. You realize your inheritance, everything you are, everything in this time period, but even still today, you know, people want to go and make a name for themselves. We literally have a term for what it means to break away and go do your own thing means I want to make a name for myself which means that if you don't break away and make a name for yourself, you inherit a name, don't you? You are what you inherited. Everybody, do you understand that? This is why racism, I, I didn't mean to get into that, but let's just let it be on the podcast, is so ridiculous because you didn't choose your color. Your parents made you, and that's who you are. We just, we are all human beings. We, at, in, at conception, we were the exact same seeds. We just had some different DNA to our inclinations, right? Isn't it weird that even people are born with musical talents just because their parents were musical? Isn't that weird? You just, you are who you are. And a part of that will always be that. Because God knows what he's doing, and he's going to use it. But the inclination inside of you to sin, the inclination in you to, to create your own name, to, to excel, to become, that's passed in. You know, every generation, every parent wants their child 
in the world. Uh, Christians do too, but we should have a different perspective. We can want our children to, to excel, but I want my children to know Jesus and to walk with him. That's the greatest goal. If I die and see them walking with him, man, I have succeeded as a parent, right? So, so with that said, though, we want them to excel, but we, we're looking through a different perspective. But the world wants their children, right? Every generation wants their children to do better than they did, make better choices, to become, let's just go to the world, to become richer, right? To have a better job, a better education than they did, etc. right? And it's because there is something in the DNA of the world, the DNA of humanity, uh, that in fact is very significant because this place that, that Abraham uh, was living was called Mesopotamia or the Ur of Chaldees, the Chaldeans, this region, Sumeria. Uh, science, you go in and you start looking into history, you look into science, they consider this like the cradle of civilization, the center. This is where things started. And uh, we know from our Bible, but also from history, that it was about building kingdoms and kingdom against kingdom. Who's got the biggest kingdom, the greatest kingdom? And if your kingdom's bigger than mine, I'm going to go to war to you, go to war with you, and, and, and building these kingdoms. And the Lord says, I don't want you to be a part of this kingdom. I don't want you to think you made it because you inherited your father's stuff. And that includes, that includes, well, we just don't have time, but all kinds of, you know, you get the bad inclinations too. Do you realize that? You ever see, you look back, you know, if you have an issue that you struggle with, you just go back and look at the, look at the generations and you can see the same issues. You inherited those things too in your flesh, but Jesus tells us, to crucify your flesh. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you got to pick up your cross. You have to get rid of your inclinations. You have to get rid of your name. Everybody say, I have to get rid of my name. My fame, my name, it's got to die. And what's interesting is, is that the Bible says, he said to him, that I will make your name great. Now, presently, in Genesis 1 and 2, what's his name? His name is Abram. Now, do you think that Abram thought, well, God's going to give me a new name. And so, what, you know, I, I'm going to leave everything behind, and, and, and God's going to really establish himself. I don't think he understood yet, did he? Right? We're reading it like a story. We're just flipping the pages. We understand the end from the beginning. In his mind, he probably thought, you know, God's going to do something with me, with my, with my name, with Abram. With, I'm leaving. I'll trust you, but it's going to be about me. God's going to use me. God's going to build me. God's going to do something with me. And the Bible says... That even in, uh, in, in whatever understanding he had, he was obedient. Everybody say he was obedient. Whether he understood fully what it meant or not, Abram departs. Just like, you know, when we come to Christ, 
who, who knew exactly what it meant to follow Christ when you came to him? Not many of us. In fact, some people joke that if Jesus told you what would be required of you and what you'd have to give up and go through to be a Christian, no one would ever be a Christian. It's funny, but there's a truth in it in the natural, isn't it? <laughs> what the Lord takes you through. But then who's thankful for that process after all? Not during, but after it. <laughs> and it says that he departed, verse 4, as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And so he goes. And in verse uh, uh, 6, it says that Abram traveled through the land. Verse 7, the Lord appears to him, and he's like, I'm going to give you this land and to your descendants. And then he continues in verse 9, traveling south, and the Lord shows him the land that he's got for him. And there's another little tidbit in here uh, just about the obedience, but we don't have time for it today. But read this story and contemplate. Verse 10 says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Now, we don't have time to touch this, but I just thought I'd mention it. And it's an interesting thought. I've always wondered. The Lord calls him out, gives him a tour of the land, and then a famine breaks out. And it really is such a picture of what true obedience is, truly following God. It, 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 you know, we think that if we follow God, you know, and this is why I don't sell Jesus to anyone. You guys know what I mean. When I'm trying to talk to someone about Jesus, I never sell him. He doesn't need to be sold. And in fact, if I try to sell him, I'm doing the person an injustice. Jesus does not need to be sold. And I can't tell them, listen, you accept Jesus. Come on, who's heard this type of pleas for, to come to Christ? Everything in your life will be better. Don't lie to those people. <laughs> your life's going to get torn upside down. Now, it will be better, but your mind won't get that for a long time. It may take 20 years for your human mind to realize it is better. You tell that person that in their, in their immaturity, and the very first day they came to Christ, you know, they get bills in the mail, you know, and, and people break up and friends leave, and, and God's actually doing a work, but in the natural, it seems like, man, a tornado just hit my life. And so it's, you know, right here in Genesis, isn't it neat to see that we're not going through anything different than all of God's people. This is what you go through. This is what it is. And you can go through every single story, right? We'll go into his children, right? His children all go through this too, all the way down, all the way through the whole word, all, th all through the disciples. That's what it is. And we should be aware of that. That's not today's sermon. But just I just wanted to show you that obedience is not that everything is going to be perfect instantly in your flesh. God does do a work, but don't look and don't judge the circumstances. Amen. We'll leave that there. So in Genesis chapter 15, it says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. He said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. So Abram's been obedient to God, just as we're obedient to God, right? Jesus calls us. He says, you've got to come out of the world. And if I had more time, 
Uh, we could spend some real time on that, but you guys have heard me say that many times. You know that's my heart. You have to leave behind that old life. You've got to leave behind that world. We have to, and I'm going to leave that there for today, but just say that again. You must leave behind your world, all the inclinations, even your dreams. Let the Lord establish new dreams in you. You don't know that the dreams that you've had since you were a child are God yet. They could be from the devil. Just give him your dreams too. If it's truly God, he'll re-spark it, doesn't he? Who has seen God bring it to life? Don't, don't, and don't raise your children to go to college and pursue their dreams yet. Not until you see them on their face seeking the Lord, on their own. Not just you for them, but on their own. Tell them, don't, you don't know your dreams yet. I don't want to see you waste four years of college to become a doctor, and then the Lord's going to call you to be a minister, or vice versa. So we have to leave it. But then the Lord starts to do something in us, and, and he's working on us, and he encourages us, and we're not sure uh, what he's doing in our lives, but we know the Lord is working. And so what happens is we try to reason. Everybody say, we try to reason it out. We try to reason. We, we reason, well, okay, Lord, I trust you. I have faith, but, uh, you know, maybe something short-fused, you know. I mean, for instance, I got here, and we had a famine immediately. So, you know, I think you're God, but you also might not know exactly what you're doing in my life. And then suddenly we're here, and it says, it says that Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. But in verse 3 it says, You have given me no descendants of my own. But it says, The Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out. I'm the Lord who called you out of the world. And to give you a possession. What is our possession? It's Jesus. We know that. I don't have the time, but I can give you the study. The book of Hebrews tells us it was not a land. It was never meant to be a promised land. That was only a picture that they never, no matter how hard they fought, they never really achieved the promise because it was Jesus. All right, so I, I brought you out to give you Christ. That's the ultimate picture of the whole world. We leave the world to be one with Christ. Amen. And we have fulfillment in him, and we have a promised land in Christ that Jesus promises. He says, I go to prepare a place for you where moth and rust, I'm mixing some scriptures together, right? But where moth and rust do not destroy, thieves do not break in and steal. A real possession. So Abram believes the Lord, but we know, I'm not even going to quote the scriptures, but what happens? Abram tries to bring it through. So he's like, okay, well, it must be Eleazar. And then when it's, then, you know, it's not Eleazar, it's got to be a son. So let's try to make this happen. So he gets into his flesh and he and Sarah come up with a plan and they say, hey, let's create an Ishmael, right? So Ishmael's born. Okay, that's it. 
Now we're on the right track with God. Uh, God's got a plan, and he's got a purpose, and man, it's coming, to, it's coming to pass, isn't it? Everything's good. 2018, 2019, God is good. God's got a plan. Come on. <laughs> God's working it out. Verse 19 of chapter 17 says, God replies, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. Abram listened to God. He was obedient to God. And yet, and, and God let him go for some time. God loved him. God never once uh, condones him, yells at him, punishes him. In fact, he blesses Ishmael, blesses his mother, right? The angel comes and encourages her and says, you're going to have a nation. You're going to have nations too. I'm going to bless you as well. But God's plan is God's plan. Everybody say, God's plan is God's plan. And following God, come on, let's just say this out loud. Following God is not about understanding every step of the way or the circumstances or what is coming and it's about come on let's say this it's about following god god knows the plan god's working it out don't think suddenly and those listening to the podcast that god's plan has suddenly changed god's plan didn't change your circumstances just changed the world's looking different but you need to understand that your normal was never normal anyway. You are citizens of heaven. Say, I am a citizen of heaven. Oh, man, got a little bit of southern preacher in me there. That's what happens. You start preaching, that comes out of you. I'm a citizen of heaven, so want, you, can want, you can bring me all over the Lord. You can drag me all over the place. You can send me wherever you want. I can live in a tent. I don't need a home. I can... I can live in a famine. I can live in luxury. Lot can steal what I thought was my inheritance, and you'll give me land here. I think it's Eleazar. It's not Eleazar. I think it's going to be Ishmael. It's not Ishmael. But God's working it all out. Just say, God is working it all out. The key was that when the Lord spoke, Abraham was obedient. When he didn't speak, he wandered in his mind. He didn't stop trusting God. They wandered in even activity, trying to make things happen. God doesn't yell at them because God didn't say there's no word from God about not having Ishmael. He just got off, and God comes and says, that's not it. Sarah, verse 19, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. My covenant, verse 21, will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. So there's no confusion. He literally told him when and told him who, put a name on him, who would come through. The Lord gives him a word now. So now... It says in uh, chapter 21, the Lord kept his word, verse 1, for Sarah. Is everybody all right? You're all right? 
The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. It says that Abram left the Ur of Chaldees, left the world at 75. God told him, you leave. He gets there almost immediately. We don't have the time. It could have been a year. could have been a couple of years. We're not sure. But as he's touring through this land that he's going to give them one day, right, he immediately says, go outside. I'm going to give you descendants beyond the stars. So that was established immediately within a very short time or within a short couple of years there. And yet now he is a hundred years old. God's time is not our time. God's plan is not your plan. God's dreams are not your dreams. God is God. God's going to do what God's going to do. And it's easy to read these stories as stories. Who in here is 100? Anybody? Who in here would be willing to admit that they're 75? <clears throat> and, and, and the thing is, all those years, all those hours, all those days, all the wrong decisions, the right decisions, the ups, the downs, the values. When we just turn the page, I say this all the time, but we just turn the pages like Abraham believes God, tours through the land, famine, he's back in the land, turning, turning chapters, turning paragraphs. Just think of what is going on in this guy's mind. Day after day, year after year, he left everything behind. He said, Lord, I had a really good thing back in the world. I would have inherited all of that my father, all his home. I, had, I would have had a name for myself. I could have just inherited it. I left it all. Who has experienced that when you came to Christ, right? You, that this leaving it all, right? You're, you're, you're a nobody. You're, you're just wandering about, it seems like, sometimes, right? No, I guess no, but just me. But it says the Lord did as he promised. Everybody say, at the exact moment that he planned. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened just at just the time God had said it would. And Abram named their son Isaac. Now, I don't want to leave us there. I have a conclusion to this sermon. Everybody know where I'm going. That was chapter 21. Chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Everybody say, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. He said, Abraham, and he said, yes, here I am. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What? God, hold on a sec. Oh, wait a second, Jesus. Oh, hold on. Hold on, Jesus. 
when that preacher gave that altar call to come to Christ, he was a liar. Because I don't remember. I don't remember all this. All I remember is he said, come say a little prayer, and your life's going to be good. Hold, hold on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. You want me to do what? Do you, do you guys realize when we read, we read the word, God doesn't do this where, he, you know, there's, God does not tell you to kill your son, okay? Just so you know, that was not God, if you ever heard that. That was your anger because you've had a long day. No one's willing to admit. <laughs> but God is still God. And there is a serious call to following God. We have to realize when we chose to follow Christ, and if you were told anything other than that, I'm telling you right now, and maybe you're listening on the podcast, that following Jesus is literally dying to your name, to your dreams, to self, and following him. He gives you a new name. Come on, we just didn't have the time, but God gave him a new name, called him Abraham. And do you know that little in there? Everybody say, do you know it was God actually inserting? You can get to a whole little study, but he inserted himself into his name. Abraham means father, right? In the natural, it means father. And Abraham means father of many, a father of many nations, many. But the fullness, actually, of if you really do the study, is that it's God with him. It's God inserted into Abraham. It's God and Abram that will father. It's God through this man. You have to realize that when we came to Christ, that Jesus wants everything. You have to understand today that Jesus is jealous for everything. If there is anything that you are holding back, he's going to ask for it. Just get it over with now. Don't hold back because the Lord is not satisfied. It is not about his love. This is not about salvation. I need to be clear about that. This is not about the free gift of salvation. This is about walking with Christ, and we want to walk with him, don't we? We don't want his happy meal on a drive-thru. That's not what it is. This is a walk with him. Jesus told us so clearly. I don't know why we just don't read the Testaments more often and get it. You know, all these scholars and all these denominations trying to figure out religion. And religion makes it easy. I realize this. Religion is not just devised by the devil to trap people in, uh, in, uh, in works and motions instead of the relationship in Christ. That's not it. You know, there's another half to it. It's easy. It's really easy just to recite a memorized prayer. And it doesn't mean that that prayer doesn't have meaning. But it's just easy just to kind of go through motions than actually crying out to God with words that are coming up out of your heart in the moment with, with, with brokenness and with despair and saying, Lord, I need you and I want to know you deeper. That's much harder, isn't it? It's much easier just to say, okay, Lord, uh, you know, oh, here's my five minutes. Here's what I need to do. Blah, 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 my prayer, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm going to be on with my way. I'll see you again tomorrow at the same time. And then I'll check in with you on Sundays if I have time and on holidays, of course. But Jesus wants everything from us. And Abram thought, this walk with God has been interesting. I mean, I'm just assuming, because I'm, I'm a man, he's a man. This has been an interesting journey, Lord. And now you're asking for what 
I have, the only thing I have, the only thing I have left. There's nothing left of me, God. You've already taken everything, and I've finally received this son that you said, we point our finger at him, and you said, this was your promise to me. And it says in verse 3, the next morning, everybody say the next morning. Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, and he took his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. He chopped the wood for the fire, and he set out for the place God told him. And on the third day, Abram, Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance. And he says, we're going to go worship. I'm just going to speed through verse 5. And uh, verse 6, he places the, the wood. And, uh, and then verse 7, Isaac uh, is kind of wondering what's going on here, right? <laughs> and he says that God's going to provide, verse 8, a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And Abraham uh, uh, answers uh, him uh, as they both walk together, and he arranges it, and he ties up Isaac, and he puts him there. In verse 10, Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Do you know what Isaac finally was? Isaac was Abraham's dream. And Isaac was the only thing that would carry on Abraham's name. You have to realize how important this was for this time. It's important today. People are, people, you know, even today, you go to Middle Eastern cultures and, uh, and, and Asian cultures as well, but to have a son, right? Even Italian, right? Jeannie used to joke about that, that her mom just wanted a son. <laughs> she finally got her son, her, their last one, their son. Even the Italian, right? It's about the son. It's because it's the name carrier. To pass on, like, you know, it's, there's a pride. There's a pride to it, to carry on my name. Something of me, even though I'm going to die, I'm going to control, I'm going to have something in this earth. My name will be known. And you know, to truly follow Christ, you just got to get rid of all of that. Your name, if it gets written down in the history books, so be it. What you have achieved on this earth Unless we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant from Jesus, you have achieved nothing. It doesn't matter what your name says on the earth, what statues, statues or monuments they build for you. None of that will matter. All of that will end up crumbling down. And ultimately, the Lord's going to crush this earth, burn it up, wash it up, and create a brand new one anyway. So even if that monument was built out of stone that will last, you know, really last with the earth forever, right? We have thousand, three thousand year old cities still today. It's only a matter of time that even those cities are going to be crushed and those kingdoms are gone forever. I know this is, it's maybe a little heavy. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, maybe it's because sometimes from the preacher's heart it feels heavier. But the Lord is truly calling us to give every last ounce. All of you, even the name, the things that you've worked so hard, you've waited so long to, to finally get to a place, and we have to realize that that is not it. Now, that's not the end of the story because it says that, verse 10, 
It says he picked up the knife. Everybody see he picked up the knife. You know what happened in verse 10? Abraham killed his son. He had already done it. Just as Jesus, when he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will be done, he was already on the cross. The cross now was just the visual, the physical. He had already done it. In his heart, he had become one with God. I know this is like, well, he is the son of God, but I mean, he became one with that will because they were praying. He's pleading with the Lord, and he became one with the will of God. The cross is already done in the spirit. The physical had to be worked out. Abraham truly and fully trusted God, and in Hebrews, it tells us that he reasoned in himself, well, I'll, even if I kill him, God's powerful enough to bring him back, that, that basically, uh, uh, that... Uh, that I trust God so much that even if he wants to kill the only dream, the only thing, I mean, he took everything from me, really. What am I, what am I except to have to pass on? And even if he wants to take my one dream away, so be it. Because that's how much I trust you, God. And he said this to him. Verse 11, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You, everybody, let's read this out loud. I have not withheld from God. You have not withheld even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket, and so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And he named that place Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me. Everybody say, because we have obeyed Jesus. Not just believed. Abraham believed him and he was counted as righteous, but it was his obedience that the Lord was looking for. His righteousness was already counted on him, wasn't it? He believed God and was counted as righteous, but he said, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name. I swear by my own name. It's you, your identity is gone. It is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, through me. I represent Christ. It's not Adam, right? It's not your name. It is not your dream where we, we must, if if you haven't so far, and maybe you have already, you feel like in every way, if you haven't so far, dig down deep inside of your soul and just give the Lord every last ounce of you, every dream, every part of you, everything that you ever wanted to be and achieve. You know, when we really boil them down, our dreams and achievements, when we really, really boil them down just to like the base level, it's really just to prove we're trying to prove something, sometimes to ourselves, that we could do it. But usually, I want to prove to all the people that said I couldn't do it and I wouldn't make it, etc. And, and I know it sounds so, well, what's wrong with that? I want to show them that I can. When they said I couldn't, but you know, even that, 
is pride. Even that is pride. Because it's pride that I could do it. They said I couldn't, but I could. Do you know the disciples died, all of them died as martyrs, and they died as nobodies. They died as just some guy who, who followed some guy, and now they're gone. And the Romans who uh, crucified and tortured and, and all the horrible things that they did to those disciples one by one thought, I'm alive, they're dead, that's that. We are reading their story even 2,000 years later. Do you realize that what the world considered nothing and nobody and no name, and when we say the name of John in the Bible, right? when we talk about John, talk about John, the one whom Jesus loved, when we talk about him as believers, right, from Christian to Christian, something that this the world couldn't grasp and that obviously you know, the time in history, and Rome couldn't grasp. When we talk about him today, and when he's talked about in heaven, uh, it's not Jesus, but his name, uh, the, that Bible said, Jesus said, I have thrones that you're sitting on with me. The name, when it's said in heaven, it's not, no one's falling down to worship him, but there is a reverence, and, and not a godly way, but for someone who walked with Jesus, and went the test of time with Jesus, and paid the price with Jesus. Do you understand? And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. He said, you have not withheld. And I want us to know today that we have given up our nature and we've inherited God's nature. We don't have time for it, but Ephesians 4 is just one of the chunks of Scripture. It says, throw off your old nature. And uh, Ephesians 4 tells us to put on our new nature. Well, what is our nature? Romans chapter 8 Verse 32 says that God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Won't he also give us everything else? God didn't ask Abraham to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. And that's what the ram was. That's what the, the ram is a lamb, right? It's the lamb of God. The ram symbolizes Jesus Christ, that he took the place of the actual physical death Right? He took the place of the death, but the heart was already done. The, it's the heart that he was looking for, and the heart of Abraham joined with the sacrifice of Christ. Do you realize this picture? It's a heart that sacrificed, joins with the physical sacrifice of Christ. And right there in that place, God says, I'm going to do something through you with my name. You give me your heart I'll provide the sacrifice, and I'm going to do something special in my name through you. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the, the pictures that you have given us, Lord God. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are that lamb who got on that altar, Lord, in our place. You took the, the, the price, Lord, that we could never pay. And, Lord, we join with you as your word tells us to. And we become, Lord, a sweet-smelling 
sacrificed, Lord. God, a sweet-smelling aroma before you, Lord. Sacrificed, dead to ourselves, dead to our dreams, dead to our flesh. And Lord, if there was ever a time where it's really easy, Lord, to, to not look at this world, Lord, it's now. We just look at you. We focus on you. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not over, that you're going to do something special through us in your name. Through your name, Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, and we just give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen.